we talked about uh, Maps Prime uh, quite a bit in this upcoming episode. We actually had one of our favorite guests, Dr. Justin Brink, on talking about mobility and control. We talked a lot about the squat, uh, one of the most fundamental movements. Um, but Maps Prime uh, is uh, our program that includes a compass test, which is a self-assessment tool, allows you to identify certain issues with how your body moves, and it helps direct you to exercise sequences that you can use for your particular body. It's individualized for your particular body to prime your workouts better. And priming your workouts better makes them much, much more effective. Uh, It's a fact. If you prime your squat better when you get in your first set, you're going to get deeper. You're going to be more connected to it. Muscles are going to fire better. And in the long term, of course, build more muscle, burn more body fat, get all those great results that you're looking for. You can find MAPS Prime at mindpumpmedia.com. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. When you sit next to Sal, you have to rub his leg a little bit. No, 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 no. (laughs) Play the old what state am I thinking of game. You know what I mean? He had to cross his leg. Uh, I get uncomfortable. (laughs) You do. You get a little little uncomfortable with that stuff. You don't like that. A little sketchy? Uh, Yeah, he does. I thought you were open-minded. I get very, I'm comfortable. You're open-minded. That's what he says so you don't do it. You don't believe me. I'll just take my pants off. I'll still rub your leg. It's okay. Whenever I rub his ears, or come up and I rub his shoulders, he gets a little... Ooh, no, I don't like, care about the shoulders. The ears is weird. He freaks out. Yeah. It's just weird. It's you know weird. what I mean? Yeah, it is. It's I, endearing. It's just, it's I've endearing. never had anybody yeah. come up and rub my ears. He's just, yeah, hey, man. You're first for everything. He's like, I know you exist. <laughs> a little rubby rub. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Ears are a little bit different. Uh, it's, right? It is a little bit different. It's, it's, it's just straight. It would be like... Well, well, I'm, a not, little, I'm a little bit different, so that's how that works. If you're a little different, you do a little different things. I still think the weirdest thing would be like interlaced toes. Oh, oh, how weird that? He'd be all over that. Justin would be all over that for sure. Katrina hates <laughs> that. Worst. Hates so that. I'll fuck with her while I'm laying in bed and I'll like spread my toes around hers and she gets all grossed out. It's like it's just oh, weird man. to her. So I'd, uh, I'd love to mess with her with that. No, Stop. you can't do that. Feed with, me grapes with your toes. You can't do that with Justin because he'd fucking just he'd claw just, you. He'd, yeah, he'd hammer you, you with my hammer toe. <laughs> he'd, like, uh, <laughs> fucking, he'd cut you. Yeah. We got, we got we got Brinkster in the house today. We he came. We brought Doctor Brink. We came. To, we came down to talk business and show that we just put him right to work. Hey, bro, Brinky get on the, in the brain. Brinky in the brain. Get on the mic. Let's talk to people. Let's help some motherfuckers out there. That's what we decided to do. So, yeah. uh, you know, we're gonna talk about um, the squat. I. Uh, it's crazy. Let's go into depth. Uh, it, it, that's the thing. It's crazy right? how many people. See what I did there still do this incredibly amazing exercise uh, wrong, but it's not, there's two things. There's a technique part Or they of avoid it, it. Or they avoid it. There's the technique part that people get wrong, but then they learn the technique part, but then they don't have the recruitment patterns and the mobility and the, and the control to really do it right. So they understand the technique, but they just can't do it. I probably, I would venture to say, Dr. Brink, you're on the our forum. Yep. You must get a lot of I see them. People tag you all the time on their squat. Yeah. Like watch my squat oh, yeah, all the doing? time. Oh, it's it's uh it's far more complex than we than we think. We just did a huge uh video series on YouTube. How many videos did we end up doing? Was what it was it? Ten part series. Mm-hmm. Was it a ten part series? Yeah, ten part series how to squat like a pro. Like a pro. And what we tried to do in the series is go through uh more in more detail, more specific. So not your typical you know, sit back with your hips and, you know, 
here's your foot stance type of deal, but Let, like, here's how you want to grab the bar. Exactly. Less about the mechanics of the squat and more about addressing mobility issues that most people have. So for example, you know, there's, there's many areas that could be limiting your squat, but the most common areas that are limiting people's squat, I would have to say, and Brink, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is ankle mobility, hip mobility, and thoracic mobility. Oh, yeah. And For sure. Right? Yeah. Would you say those are the most? I think biggest one is uh, definitely the feet, the, the ankles. Yeah. You know, and that is, uh, I think that's one of the probably the most overlooked, you know, when it does come to the squat because, I mean, people squat and what do they do? They lower their head. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, how many trainers out there tell them, okay, butt back, but they really don't understand what butt back means yeah. or what it's supposed to mean. I've you know? noticed that you you tend to like that you zone in right away on people's feet and their ankles first. Has has that always been your go to to look at, as somebody squats? Like you really peer into to what's going on in their feet and their ankles. Uh, at first, it, no, it wasn't. At first, it was you know looking at the hips, mm-hmm. and then I think once I started realizing that man, this pattern keeps coming up that they keep doing the same exact stuff over and over and over again, and. It's not the hips, you mm-hmm. know, because again, I lay them on their back and pull their knees to their chest and they have complete no pain and 100% range of motion of their hips, you know, for, for the most part, you know, and say, so, all right, there's got to be something else going on. So I'm always asking myself, okay, why is this motion the way that it is, you know, and now looking down the chain, well, what's the first point of contact to the ground? Well, that's the feet, mm-hmm. you know, and once those feet are dysfunctional, which no one ever addresses, you know, it's always ankles up, you know, or calves up, you know, they think, oh, I'm doing calf raises. I'm doing what I should be doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we need to go the other way. Mm-hmm. So starting from bottom to top, yeah. uh, which makes perfect sense. Like you said, you're, you're, that's the part that's in contact with the ground. Yeah, That's what you're driving off. One thing that was uh, pretty mind-blowing for me when we started working with you was really f- understanding how when you identify an imbalance or a recruitment pattern issue – when you finally identify it, it it's never uh, it never occurs in a vacuum by itself. Never. Yeah. It's always of course everything moves together. I mean, if yeah. I change, you know, the way I grip, uh, uh, you know, a barbell with my hand, it's going to change recruitment patterns uh, all the way up the shoulder, and depend it, it depends on what's moving, but pretty much up and down the kinetic chain uh, is going to be affected. So, I mean, some of the videos we did, saw Mind Pump TV on YouTube. Uh, we we looked at the ankle. We did show some stuff with the ankle. We did like the wall ankle and combat position mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, we did a toe squat, so we addressed uh, some you know ankle mobility and foot strength because I think that's the, the next piece, right? So first, like the ankle mobility, but then even like just the strength in your feet. Oh like, yeah. And I think uh, what was huge. I remember when you assessed me, and that was we kind of uh, talked about my feet, and then I when I started addressing, I realized realized whoa how weak my feet were and how disconnected. I was like, you know, when we were trying to do like short foot and if I was just trying to pick something up. Can you do short foot now? I can. Not as I have one side that it's better than the other, but I were you able to do it right off the bat or no, was it no? How weird a, was that? Yeah, it's very yeah, weird. It's it very sucks. well. It's frustrating. It's, it's and I use the analogy like you know, imagine like you're looking at you know, and you try and you know close your palm on one and hand, you just can't do and it, and then you just can't do it on the other. It's just it's literally it's it, it literally felt like to me like you know when you fall asleep on your arm and it's like totally dead and you cannot summon it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was trying to do foot and yeah. this is this yeah. is no joke. Staring back at you. Yeah. This yeah. is no joke. Brink was telling me to do yeah. short. And he was explaining it to me. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's not that's not even a movement. I, that was in my mind. Like, you can't do that. And so he takes the shoe off and he shows me. And I'm like, what? So I tried doing it. It just didn't it just didn't work. Yeah. yeah. Nothing fired. The hard part. How weird is that? I think the hard part is is learning how to 
uh, and and I feel like this is something that I'm I'm continuing to go through myself and and challenge my myself and clients and people that I help out with is incorporating it into your your already normal routine because <clears throat> I find that the foot is kind of boring. You know, it's that's not very boring. It is right. It's yeah. just not. You don't have foot and day. Ugly yeah. Wednesday's foot yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. it's just <laughs> every day, but they're day. ugly. <laughs> it's just not a sexy, sexy area to have to develop or work on. Like nobody ever tells you, like, man, you got great looking feet, bro. What yeah. do you do? Well, what exercises you do? Go to the for gym, and hit them yeah. feet. Yeah, there's yeah. a whole. I don't know, Mar- Adam. There's a whole market online. People yeah, <laughs> are into that, bro. You would, you would know for sure. No, like so. Step on my face. You know how do you how do you do this? This, uh, you know, you know, you got an you got an area of uh, disconnect or you're weak here. Now, how do I incorporate that with everything else and in my lifestyle? And so, you know, I found that doing it sporadically through the day or like while I'm here on the podcast or you know taking my shoes off and going barefoot at home, like there, I found that I had, and I'm curious to hear all you guys and especially Brink talk about this. Like when I when he first told me, it was like, okay, great, this is a problem I have. I need to address it. And just like anything else, the first week or two, you're like, oh, I learned something new. I want to apply it. So like, I was all about it. I was like, you know, working on it, working on it, working on it. Then over time, it gets boring and it gets tedious. And then you start to kind of lay off a little bit of it. And then you realize, oh shit, mm-hmm. like if I lay off, now all of a sudden it starts to come back again. My ankle starts pronating again. I start seeing these, I, my feet start externally rotating. I'm like, motherfucker, I can't just do it for a week and fix it. It's not like that. You know, it's something that you need to continually incorporate into your lifestyle. So I had to regress all the way back. I came out the gates gung ho, like I think probably a lot of people do when they first learn this. And then I thought, okay, well, that didn't work very well for me. So now what, what are some simple things I can do? And then how do I progress that? Uh, within my routine. And for me, what worked really well was I just, I said, okay, what I don't do enough of is just fucking walking around barefoot. I just don't, I don't mm. walk around barefoot enough. Like you, now have- I have a question about that because uh, we've been talking about that for a while, but I've, and I've been meaning to ask you, uh, uh, Dr. Brink, is it enough to walk barefoot or should you walk barefoot with intention at first? Cause and the reason why I'm asking this is because I know when I tell people to mm. do movements, like, okay, just squat more or just, be, they'll just strengthen their, their imbalance. They end up moving in, yeah. their, in their default pattern. Yeah. So should you, when you walk, is it enough to just walk barefoot or should you walk with intention or, or you know, change your, your, I guess, the way your foot hits the ground or whatever? I think the first part is, is we had to stand before we had to walk. Yes. Right? So teach them how to stand first. Right. Go Excellent. back to go back to the complete basics. You so know, just and, walk barefoot first. Well, yeah, you're going to walk barefoot, but teach them how to stand barefoot. Right? Oh, I get, see. Get that connectivity when they're just standing first, and then once they know how to stand, then say, okay, this is how we want you to walk. You know, own the position of each of you know of your foot, and then progress from there. So would you say uh, then just standing? If I'm standing at work or I'm sta- just focus, you know, throughout the day. While I'm standing to to activate those those yeah. patterns, yeah, simple. You know, I give the, the, the triangle, example. Right? Yeah, it's a triangle, the tripod. Mm-hmm. You know, the fat pad of your heel, big toe, small toe. You know, there's a little triangle in that spot. Oh, whoa! You want to have. Equal well, let's talk about that weight. for a second. Hold yeah. on. So you want to do what with the with the heel? So as you're as you're standing on the ground again, you are trying to create this little tripod on the bottom of your foot. Okay. So on the bottom of your foot, you've got your heel, you've got the fat pad of your big toe, fat pad of your small toe. 
So if you draw a line between those three, it creates a triangle. Mm. If you can center your weight over all three points, then you know that your body is probably going to be pretty much centered. Mm. You know, and if your body is centered over your feet, there's where your mass is going to be able so to accept you, weight better. You're more centrated, if you will. And you can identify too, like where, uh, like let's say they've they've added more calluses or like oh, more sure. like bunions, and you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so if, that that's an obvious sign of where you need to focus a little bit more on, say, like bringing your big toe into the into the grounding process, yep. standing up. Yep. Okay. Well, okay. not even not even bringing the big toe into it, but you know, because a lot of them are using the big toe, mm-hmm. right? So using the big toe, and you see a lot of grippers, you know, and so that big toe is really hooking into the ground, uh, uh-huh. right? So if they're hooking into the ground, and then that's the last point of contact, and they have that callus on the inside of that big toe, mm-hmm. right? You know that that's the point that's leaving the ground last all the time, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like calluses on your hand. Why do you have a callus on your hand? Because you that's the point that you're using when you're gripping a bar, mm-hmm. you know. Well, your foot's doing the same exact thing. So just pay attention to that. Yeah, pay attention. Again, you want to try and center them because if they're now pushing through the center of their foot versus off the big toe, there's no reason that big toe should be drifting off, you know, in that hallux rigidus or hallux valgus is, is what it's called. Mm-hmm. So so now you make me feel a lot better about this this whole idea that how I regressed this and then I started to progress. Oh, and that's yeah. why I said, okay, I started with barefoot. Just fucking get barefoot yeah. more because that in itself, you'd be a, you'd be a surprise how many people – just never take their shoes off till sure. they're ready to get in bed. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, we walk around. So I said, okay, I'm going to start with just being barefoot more. So take the cast off first. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It. Take the cast yeah, off yeah. first. Get reconnected with earth. And and so that was the start. Then, yeah, man. then I progressed to kind of like where Sal was going, where it was like, okay, now let's be more aware of how I'm standing on that tripod mm-hmm. and then how I'm walking. And another little area, which I, for, for all my men that are listening, uh, pay attention when you stand up and you pee at the urinal. Sure. <laughs> so I actually will, when I'm standing in, in every time I piss, so I pee a lot throughout the day because I drink a lot of water. So I thought, okay, here's another easy way that Nothing I can be do with your prostate, getting, so. getting re- reconnected here and, <laughs> and paying over. attention to how I stand. Okay. I'm going to, every time I'm standing at this journal, I'm going to pay attention to right away my feet. And it's surprising, but right away when you go to do something else, right? So I'm peeing here, you you'll see your feet will, you know, if you have a pronate or externally rotated yeah. with that, all of a sudden will get into that position because you're focused on your you dick. You fall back into the comfort. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you are. Right? Your dick dick takes dick. priority. It does. The dick and where you're and then where yeah. you're shooting, right? Because for guys, right. you know, they have the little target on all the urinals. You guys know that, right? So yeah. they, they put that for yeah. a reason, oh, yeah. right? We just naturally are like targeting. So all of a sudden you're you're worried about your pee target and you forget about your feet. So for me, I've just, just don't pee on your feet. Yeah, you gotta yeah. keep the hose you yeah, know, in line. Yeah. 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 So and even if you're not, Fireman I'm drills. not saying to go to the. So let me back up here because I know someone's thinking. Oh wait a second. So are you saying that you go to the, the public restroom without your shoes? No, I'm not going to the public restroom without my shoes on. <laughs> but I'm I'm thinking inside about it. Your shoes. Inside of my shoes, I'm paying attention to that tripod that Brink is talking about, and I'm just trying to make sure that I'm aware of that that actually took some practice because you'll be mindful of it the first few times. And then there'll be a lot of times where you walk over the urinal and you got other things on your mind and right away. Mm. And so just training myself to every time I pee, make sure I'm standing on that tripod every single day, mm-hmm. spending 20 to 30 minutes with my shoes off being connected to the ground. And then how am I feature that right there? I'm telling you right now, I've seen a huge progression already from that. And it's, simple it's easy it's it's something that i can build upon too so i think that's a mistake that uh i've made at first when i found this this new knowledge that brink brought to us which was dude 
look at your feet, address that, then work your way up. And so I was like all excited with this new information that I'm like applying all these exercises and stuff. And then what happens? They all start to fall off because mm-hmm. I everything else becomes a priority. Another so, bit of uh, Schaefer knowledge there. You wash your hands before you touch your dick. Yes, that's yeah. right. Not after the restaurant. Especially before you touch mine. I, yeah, I yeah. think also going, going back to what you had mentioned before is you just taking your shoes off. For some people, that in itself is like mind-blowing mm-hmm. because they wear shoes all the time. Right, and they don't understand the connectivity to their feet to the ground. And what they don't understand is, I want to like the feet have like something like four hundred thousand receptors on the bottom of them. Yeah, how many are now shut down because all they've been doing is wearing shoes and socks their entire life? Well, how how much your brain is shut down? Sure. Yeah. How do you You feel about insoles? uh, Saying that. So again, some people do need insoles. Yeah. You know, I'm not for them. You know, Mm -hmm. out the get go, I want you to get your feet to work for you. Uh, you know, Dr. Emily Spiegel, she's developing a insole that actually has little vibratory things in them or not, or, uh, I don't even know what they are, like little nodules. And so it's to create stimulus on your feet, you Mm -hmm. know, and that in itself is pretty amazing. You know, if you can create that stimulus inside your shoe all day long, yeah, it's definitely going to help you out. Well, here's one thing I noticed for myself because I'm, I'm, I was, I used to wear socks to bed for God's sakes. I used to wear shoes and socks all the time. (laughs) And one thing I noticed about myself is I've always been extremely, extremely ticklish on the bottom of my feet, like extremely ticklish. Ooh, and I realized one day while Justin was, was playing with my toes, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I realized that the, the, reason why I, the reason why I may be super ticklish on the bottom of my feet is because uh, the parts of my brain that process that sensor, you know, the, the, the sensation from the yeah. bottom of my feet is undeveloped. So it's... There's no uh, desensitization. So it's too much. Yeah. It would be like it would be like always wearing really dark sunglasses all the time. Always, always, always your whole life. And then taking them off and this all all light is too bright. That's yeah. a great analogy because it's not like you can't see anymore. It's not like you can't feel with your feet before. They're right? too they're too it's, too it's sensitive. Too sensitive. I'm yeah. perceiving uh the bottom of my feet as being too sensitive. So the so like when I walk on like gravel, it's like, oh, oh I can't I can't walk. It, it hurts too much. Whereas I see little kids and oh, they you know, do it all the time. And people are always barefoot, just running around all the time. Yeah. I realize for myself, I can't. It's just too sensitive, and so that's one of the other the advantages of going barefoot is you develop your your the parts of your brain that work with that, and so and and that's got to contribute to other things. You know, it's got to. I'm sure there's some carryover, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, think about the the you know what would happen to you if you again if you lost use of one of your arms or one of your legs, right? Yeah, you start to lose the the the, the those connections in the brain. So. So going back to the squat, you know, with your feet, you know, is where now you can root your feet to the ground, right? And where people just don't really think that, right? That's not the first thing, you know, with you guys as being trainers is you're not sitting there saying, root your feet to the ground first. It's like, no, butt back, Mm -hmm. right? Well, no, let's, how about we root your feet first so we get that connectivity? You know, it's that ground force reaction. I'm pushing on the ground, ground's pushing back. What's that going to do? That's going to connect your hip. Your hip is now turned on. You have now your deep pelvic floor that's turned on. You get your glutes that are now working how they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And now put your butt back. And now let's see what type of connectivity you have in that in that proper squat. So let's talk about uh, like step one. Step one when someone doesn't have – it could be anywhere, right? Feet, hips, knee, whatever. When they don't have connectivity to the point where you tell them to activate a, a movement or a muscle and it just doesn't even happen. No, you know, not not poor connection, like no, almost no connection. What's the first step that that person can take to get some connections so that they can finally start doing exercises for that particular I've, area? I, I see it a lot when I'm doing like some ACL reconstruction. You know, mm. or not reconstruction, but the the rehab post, you mm. know, uh, surgery, and like the VMO, you know, vastus medialis just doesn't fire. 
you know, so they look at it and they can contract one side and the other side just does nothing. Wow. You know, so it's like, all right, stare at that thing and I want you to do quad sets. You know, I really want you. So what's a quad set? Quad just, set is just contracting your quad. Just flexing it. Yeah, just flexing it. How long can you hold it for? One second, two seconds, 10 seconds. You wait till you see some stimulus. And then over time, as you keep trying to rebuild that connectivity, right, they're going to start to fire a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Pretty soon now we can start to load them. Other than that, if there's no firing, there's no connectivity, there's no reason to do an exercise. You're just mm-hmm. you're an injury waiting to happen. Now, do you ever do uh, a couple questions? Do do stim machines help with that at that point? Help them get connection, or is that not help at all? So stim machines. There's a lot of stim machines that are out there. There's you know your interferential. There's your microcurrent. There's your Russian stim. You know there's yeah there's there's so many that are out there. That's the hard part. Russian stim is the one that has been shown to actually create uh, or prevent atrophy. Mm. Um, and Russian stim, it came from, I think, like the 60s when the Russians were in the Olympics. And that's mm. what they were using to try and help with their with their muscle building techniques. Um, you know, with the TENS unit. TENS unit is just blocking like a pain gate theory. Uh, microcurrent is going after more maybe an inflammatory marker. You know? Now, does it help? Do they help get a connection, though? Like, let's say I have trouble retracting my shoulders because – I got a poor connection to my rhomboids and mid-trapezius. Would putting stim on those areas uh, help me f- to feel and connect to those muscles that, so that I then I feel can do like, it on my I own? I feel like you're bypassing the brain in the, and you're creating an artificial brain, so you're really well, not. Well, that's what, that's what my, that's what my t- question it's is. A t- it's a temporary connection that you're making right. through an outside it's not stimulus. It's external. So, yeah. And you're really trying to work on the brain muscle connection. Well, I'm, there, right? So here's what I'm thinking, right? I'm thinking, that's why I'm asking that question because I, I know that part, but I'm wondering if using the stim will help you feel what it feels like to flex it. And you know, how some, after that, you could kind of like reproduce yeah, that internally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like you can't find. You know, yeah, uh, I'm using. You my, need like stimulus to. to oh, I can, I can uh, look, tap into. I'm that. using myself as an example with short foot. Hmm. I can't even find the muscles to do it. Right. I couldn't even find them. Like I know that I can see them with my eyes, right. but I can't even find them. And it reminds me of like when I would train clients and I would tell them to contract a particular area, and it would always help if I just touched it with my finger, hmm. so they had the external. Yeah. stimulus and then they could be like oh right there and then uh, they could kind of identify you know identify where they need to squeeze mm-hmm. does that make sense so yeah, i think sense. i think with you touching it right then they can say okay this is where i need to go to because mm-hmm. it's that stimulus where mm-hmm. i think and this is just all anecdotal on my end because I, I don't know you know mm-hmm. so anecdotally if if we put stim on you it's the machine doing your fingers job okay mm-hmm. right so now is the brain telling it or is it that electrical impulse that is firing you know mm-hmm. at that spot and then once you take it off you still don't know what that is. Okay. You just wouldn't know it be those just more yeah effective to just literally use your phone fingers yeah. and just and poke just, at it. Yeah, just touch it. And uh. You just try and get it to fire. You know, or brushing. Uh-huh. You know, for that matter. Okay. And that's where again we go back into like a taping. You know, where you can All tape. Right. You know, taping mm-hmm. is going to help out because it's a better communication to the brain. It's something that's on the skin itself, which is a huge you know sensory receptor just in itself. And if we're touching that area, and now it's telling the brain there's something there. Let's get that spot to fire. Hmm. Where would you use? Where would you find uh, e-stim useful then? More recovery, atrophy, I, right? Well, again, I think it depends on where you're at. When I first started ten years ago, you know, we used stim on every single person that walked through the door because it was like, <laughs> wow. oh, you have it on your neck, on your back. It was like, here, I'm going to put you down here. I'm going to cook you for ten minutes. Put uh, a hot pack on you, and then we're going to do some rubby dubby on you and adjust you. You know, <laughs> so I've been to uh, somebody who still does that. Oh so. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. So that's oh, why, man. that's why I left. Rubby you know, I just didn't agree with that. You know, oh, I saw man. everyone come through and they got cooked for 10 or 15 minutes and we rubbed on them and then we adjust them and I don't see you. I'll see you in two oh, days. You nailed it. It's like, there. That's yeah. stupid. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Wow. Now, what was the theory behind that? What did they think they were really doing? Well, well I, don't, I don't know what their theory is. I think it's more of a billing purpose on my end. Oh, you wow. Know? But, I see. you know, it is, it, it, they feel good because Hell they get people to, mad at you right now. Well, they get to come in and they get to lay down for 10 or 15 minutes <laughs> and feel it's good. Relaxing. You know, yeah, they yeah. get to relax. Yeah. So, so it's more like a massage like parlor than it is anything else. Uh, yeah, you're not really correcting much. You're just well, kind of I so, temporary. So, so there is there is benefits. You know, let's say acute issues. Let's say an ankle issue. You know, someone comes in, they roll their ankle. Yeah, it's going to help sort of pump some of the swelling out of there. Uh, that that's good. You know, does it help decrease some of the pain? Sure, it is. But I could kick you in your other shin, and you're going to figure out the pain that you have anyways, <laughs> right? So I think it's just we're trying to bypass that pain point. You know, so they feel better once they leave. Mm. Here's, you know, here, what's the long-term so you, studies? You, I really don't think there's well, really long-term studies. Here's how I look at that kind of stuff. The way I look at it is like massage, for example, if you look at a good massage therapist, without any other, uh, you know, uh, additions in terms of techniques or exercise or whatever, can massage alone help in the long term? Now, I think it can. I think by itself, it's not super, it's not nearly as effective as if when you combine it with other things. But on its own, maybe it would help the person move differently now, which then will change the recruitment pattern. And I think that may be what the chiropractors of old were doing was, let's, let's adjust you, let's massage you. Now you're moving dif- differently. And some people, that may help them long term because now that they're moving differently, they create different recruitment patterns. But it was incomplete, right? Because you didn't have them showing them the right exercises, how to connect, how to, how to correct those recruitment patterns yeah because when you combine all of that man now you got yeah there was no there was no intent post-treatment right right it was treatment was here you got it you feel better you leave we see you in two more days mm-hmm. right so the intent for them to move better was never there because they were never educated how to move better mm-hmm. their body dictated how they moved based on their muscles being either tight or relaxed so if they're relaxed they're moving a little bit different than they did before so yes, they are going to move different. Sometimes worse than what they did before. Well, this right? is where because, we see a big gap too with physical oh, well, therapy sure. going into to training in the gym. Right? Yeah, there's that whole process. I think there's a gap between all of healthcare. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and and all of healthcare is is missing the movement component to it. You know, and they're missing the the part of here. Let's teach you to do something better for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know. You need to have the intent for yourself, not come in and get the drug from me, the the simple six-step exercise to make your back feel better, the adjustment, or, you know, go in and get a massage therapy, you know, uh, you know, well, this is a good to, topic to because I feel like this is a big, a big step that people just skip right over in, in general, as far as like trying to get muscles to fire first. Right, like like learning that process of connectivity and and learning how to to feel your body and feel the response you're I supposed to get. That's the key. Feel your body. Yeah. No one no one understands their own body. I mean, you said it. You know, Sal. Yeah. You know about your foot. You sat there and stared at your foot and yeah. did nothing. Yeah. You know, so you're highly connected to your body. You're just missing a you know a large component to what's going on, and mm-hmm. that's that's the foot. You mm-hmm. know, we talk about gut health. How many people actually pay attention to what's going on in their gut or no in their one. brain or I mean, I mean, there's so many different avenues mm-hmm. that we can take on that. We want to go to someone and let them fix our problem. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest things I tell people. I'm not here to fix you. Yeah. You will fix you. Well, that's why it's so frustrating you know? when people come so, to see you, right? Yeah, and, and if they don't like real, what I say, yeah. they never come back. You know, you it's, know? It's, so. it's, it's funny because you're right. I mean, Western medicine does that, right? You get very specialized in one area, and then that becomes your scope. Yeah. And you forget about all those other areas. I actually had a conversation the other day. I don't remember where I was on Instagram. And I had commented, someone had asked me something about, uh, you know, how food can affect their skin, you know, like they break out or whatever. And so I was talking to them and then boom, a dermatologist gets on there 
there's no evidence to show that avoiding certain foods will make acne get better and blah, blah, blah. Food, it really has no impact on your skin. And I mean, I know that they believe that, but how can they believe that? It's got to be one of the most bullshit things I've ever heard in my entire life. How can what you eat every single day not impact everything. Yeah, everything in your Everything. Body. Your mood, your fucking eyesight, yeah, your, your fucking, brain, everything. your brain, your skin. Like, are you really going to tell me what I eat doesn't affect yeah. my skin? It literally are you say makes that, up your mass. It just, your body's it's matter. Just, it's just insane. And we actually had this conversation yesterday about movement and how people don't think that movement can affect how you feel uh, emotionally or mentally. Of course it does. There's yeah. a whole feedback loop going on there. What do you think feedback- yoga is supposed to be doing? <laughs> you know, or Pilates or any of that type of stuff that's out there. You know, why do why do kids feel amazing all the time? For the most part, <laughs> yeah. these days they don't because they're out freaking playing all the time. Yeah. They're out moving. Yeah. You know, how many of us actually go move? If we went to go move and we just did something for an hour, you know, besides get off, you know, sit on the couch and be like, oh, I'm too tired, I can't do it. You'd feel freaking better. So let me add, so on that uh, on that particular uh, topic, um, let's talk about the squat since yeah. we're on that topic of the squat. How fundamental would you say is being able to squat or how sit in a squat how for important. a human being? Well, it's a fundamental process. You should be able to squat. Mm-hmm. Every single kid does it. Every, you look at, you know, populations, you know, Asian population, African, you know, Hispanic, you look at a lot of these populations, that's what they do, mm. right? Whether they're sitting in the fields or sitting by a campfire, Western society, we don't squat anymore. We sit 90 degrees and we wonder why we can't go. And then, yeah, I can't go. Dude, this oh, is, let's a, talk this about is the, a part that drives me fucking crazy. Though. Like my, my best friends, dude, that we grew up since childhood together. And I see this happening where, and, uh, and I know they're the majority where people just, because they can't, they and, and, and that kind of almost feels like it happens overnight because you don't really pay attention, right? Like, if you're young, you're playing sports, you're doing all that, then all of a sudden, like, life hits, right? Mm-hmm. You get married, you have kids, you get a job, you're sitting in a desk all day long. Then all of a sudden, you know, 30s roll around or whenever, doesn't matter, right? It rolls around that you decide, oh, shit, I need to start exercising or doing something to fix this. Then all of a sudden they realize- it's like makeup process. Well, yeah. then, they go, then they go to do, like, a squat or do something, and it hurts, you know, I just got an I just got a post or an inbox from somebody saying that you know they're following maps anabolic. They're like fifty years old, and their knees hurt. What are something? What other movements can I do instead of the squats and the deadlifts? Squat more, yeah, right? And so <laughs> this is the and this is hard for us uh, virtually. This has been one of this is part of what uh, motivated us to do the podcast to where we can explain ourselves more because I I I know that if I gave that like the the old trainer in me the twenty two year old version of me would give them some fucking easy exercise to do in replace of the squat so that yeah. that could build their legs still or, you know, work work their hamstrings. Feed to or their quad. comfort versus, <laughs> you know, what they need. Exactly. But then the, you know, older me knows that, oh my God, I'm doing more of a disservice to them by yeah. just answering that question the way they want me to answer it. What I need to tell them is like, no, that's a big flag for you that this is an area we need to approve upon. Let put the brakes on. Let's let's address this and work on this specifically now. But let's what, not what, just- what, I, what I think though is people don't want to think, right? They, they don't want to think about what they should be doing. Yeah. You know, my knees hurt when I squat. Okay. You know, if you want to go be a better cyclist, you're not going to go be a runner. Right. Go cycle more. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's not rocket science, but they want to do that. Like, oh, my, my knees hurt. Well, why? Why do your knees hurt? What's going wrong? Well, you and, know? and this goes back to you know, first also being aware with what is it you really want and then actually trying to connect people about connect people to health and wellness versus this 
always being aesthetically driven because most people who bought a program or decide they're going to start to exercise, it's driven like because they feel fat or they're not happy with the way they look. And so then they hire a trainer or they buy a program and then the program has movements in there that they can't do. And then they want a replacement for those movements instead of going like, whoa, this is a big deal. Like these are basic movements that everybody's body should be capable, barring that you don't have some crazy fucking limitation, like you're missing a part of your limb or you had a Or something's torn or whatever. Yeah. 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 There's exceptions to the rule, but for the majority- they, they they go to do these movements, they can't, or it hurts, or it bothers them, and then they look for a replacement right away just so they can just keep trucking towards this goal. It's it's just, for me, it's insane because when you look at the squat, it is uh, it is so fundamental to human movement. It, look, at the, the squatty potty, you guys know what that is, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that little step stool that you put your feet up when you yeah, sit in the toilet and poop. And it works. It, cl- it actually works. There's studies to show that using a squatty potty we should put that in the show notes at the end of this one. Now that I'm selling it, yeah. but, YouTube video. Uh, yeah. it, it, <laughs> using, a, YouTube. using a squatty potty no, helps people have better bowel movements. But it's not the invention of the squatty potty. It's, it's the anatomy. It's, the, it's, it's sitting in a squat yeah. puts you in the right pelvic tilt, it relaxes the muscles that open the colon and allow you to use the bathroom. That's how we pooped for most of human wow. civilization. You know, you just it's, you just reminded me of something that I want to ask Brink while we have him here because that plays into the big debate over the butt wink too. So there's this there's this big argument in the fitness world right now with squatting that when you go below ninety, that you, the the pelvic starts to tilt forward. And for some people, for, well, for most, if you at most people, if you sit all the yeah, way down, depends on where what angle you're at, but right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have this kind of natural tuck yeah. when you get to the bottom, which is that's what allows you to poop better, right? That's what opens that up. As soon as that rotates mm-hmm. and tilts like that, that opens up that canal, and right. now you can shit right. better, right? So, but you saying you saying that it's funny because I do have clients, some Indian clients, right? That I and when we show them how to squat, like. Oh, yeah, that's what we used to do. We used to go take a crap in the street or something. <laughs> oh, no. oh, all right. Well, there you go. See, you need to think about do that, that next again. time you squat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, do you, Just don't now, let it out. How, well, so there's a debate, right? There's a debate. Some, some people say uh, if you have a butt wink, you need to correct it so that you don't have a butt wink. And other people are saying, no, a butt wink for some people is structurally how their body moves when they get that low. There's, it has, it's a structural thing. It has nothing to do with, for some people, it has nothing to do with and I'm, tightness, and I'm guessing, Brink, you're going to say there's both sides. I think there's both sides. Right. You know, you can look at, do you have tension in that upper hamstring? Hmm. That right, when you're getting to that lower point, is it tugging, sort of pulling, you know, you under at some angle, you know, that you're finding that? Do you have a lumbar instability, you know, L5S1? You know, so if you're losing stability, what's going to happen is mm-hmm. other muscle going to, re, you know, recruit and you're going to tighten up, you know, whether it's now your psoas pulling anterior fibers, is it, you know, again, hamstrings, is it your glutes working differently? Is it your quads? You know, yada, yada, yada. You know, do you have control over the movement? So, so. What, what are some simple tests or things that you do when you see that? So let's say I, I drop down into a squat, I hit below 90 and I have what might look like a butt wink, but maybe it's right on that borderline where it doesn't look excessive. You're not too sure. What would be the first like go-to test or way you would assess borderline me butt wink to, <laughs> to to figure out? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go make sure that you have control of your lumbar spine first. You okay. know, do you? Can we go into that cat? You know, cat camel, and then create more of that like a uh, segmental spine. Mm. You know, can you get the intrinsic muscles to work? If you own sort of that movement and you're still butt winking. In my opinion, you own your spine. Mm. Everything else, oh, whatever. You know, Ooh, I'm okay. That's a good one. So, you know, if you can get yourself still down there and you're still butt winking, but yet I know that your spine is safe, 
I'm okay with you getting down there. So that's see, that's a good point there. That's what um, I wanted to ask. It's, it's, I, there's a good point there. It's, I like that. Uh, it's it's about owning the movement. Yeah. Versus the movement owning you. Correct. Uh, it's like that. It's like when I well, I'll, I'll present an exercise, especially when I do core exercises. People lose their fucking mind because I'm showing people how to go into yeah. posterior pelvic tilt and activate their core, and everybody freaks out. And really, it's about owning uh, owning that particular position. I'm not falling in that position. You know what I mean? I'm not letting my ligaments support me. It's my muscles that are supporting me. Yep. So that's basically yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Uh, what about like the upper thoracic area? Because I feel like you could have good control in the in the lumbar and the hips, good mobility, and and maybe you don't have a butt wink, but the but because your thoracic curves, could that contribute to a butt wink as well? Uh, I wouldn't see why it could not. Okay, you know, but now you're working up the chain. Yeah, you know, so. Maybe it can. You're probably going to be not even worried about the butt wink at that point because mm. you're so far leaning forward, it doesn't make a difference because mm. you don't have the extension necessary to sit as upright as you need. Yeah, because with a with like a, a resistance training barbell squat, we've now added another component, right? We're not just squatting body weight. We're actually supporting a barbell yep. behind our back. And in that case, you want good scapular mobility and yep. good thoracic you yep. know, mobility. Yeah, and, and I see a lot of guys – you know, especially like on the Facebook and stuff where, you know, they're posting their squat and they're wanting me to look at like their hips and I'm going to comment on their shoulder. Because <laughs> yeah. I see one, you know, yeah. one hand that, you know, the wrist is straight and the other one is cocked. So again, it leads me to believe that, well, maybe their shoulder mobility on that left-hand side, right-hand side, you know, is just not what it should be. Mm. So can they squat with their wrists sort of in that parallel position all the way up, all the way down? And they'll notice if they can't, you know, they go, I'll take them as low as they can go until they start losing their wrist and then just hold that spot. You know, and squeeze harder, pull harder, try and put themselves in that corrective position. You know, we we recently were asked uh, on the podcast. We just did a Q and A, and they somebody asked like the things that we are focusing on, each of us individually. And I was kind of vague about what I've been doing, but the more I think about it, this has really been like the major goal for me over the last year has been just like perfecting my squat and. Why I did it that way because I this is just how I this is how my brain works right like I, I I tend to have to have like some sort of a goal it's like when I competed it's like I that was easy right it's like I had to get in the best shape of my life and be down to body fat so you know I just go 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 till I reach that point well now for me uh, my workout and my programming is completely centered around getting better at my squat. And it's crazy how many little things that you like. I, I mean, I think the average person might look at my squat and go, "Oh, it's a pretty good squat now." But it's really to me, it's I see now. I see all these things that are going on. Like I still don't have the shoulder mobility. My wrists are still breaking. You know, sure, I'm getting. I got away from my ankle pronating. I have good connection now with my feet. I have great hip mobility, so I'm getting good depth. The tracking of my knees lined over my. You know, so these things are starting to come together, but. As one thing comes together really well for me, and then I start to realize another area that has to be addressed. So I think instead of being frustrated, I think the reason why I'm sharing this is to have people be okay with, hey, you can't squat very well right now. But instead of just chalking it up as you can't do it and avoiding it and going to something else, maybe treating that as as a goal in itself and a way to program. And that's really like how we designed Prime was Prime was designed so people could see areas where there's dysfunction and say, okay, these are your fortification sessions. These are your mobility drills. These are these things that you are that you need to integrate into your workout and potentially become mainly your workout. Sure. So you know, sometimes the tests are the exercise, right? Yeah. And that that and that's kind of that came from you. You know, that was something that you really tattooed 
you know, you, I remember when you were first like showing me all the stuff that had going on and right away that my trainer brain goes, okay, well, show me all the movements that I need to do to get better, you know, so I can pass this test, you know, that's the competitive side of me. And then you're like, well, sometimes you just need to just keep doing the test. Like you just yeah. keep, keep doing that. And that's part of it. And I think about like, wow, that's so true. Like I don't, you don't have to overcomplicate it sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes just putting a, a barbell and getting it in that position and then like doing stuff squats with no weight on there and then then addressing each one of those areas we're talking about so i'll squat down go like oh wow my wrists are breaking uh i don't i'm i'm slightly rounding forward my left ankle is kind of pronating okay so boom barbell gets re-racked now i go down i start priming some movements doing some of my drills go back do it again oh look this is still happening these movements this go back do it you know what i'm saying and just right it's just going through the checkpoints and then as you go through the checkpoints you see what stands out the most and then that's where you can kind of go spin off of that and work directly on say it's a shoulder mobility issue you know let's really address that a bit deeper and uh you know that's why sometimes it's hard for people to to just slow down and to notice all those things they just want to rip through the reps and get through the workout there's too much noise going on yeah right again they're not they're not paying attention to them right Mm -hmm. so they're not listening to what their body's actually telling them they bypass that i i've been told i got to do this Right? Yeah. And that's all I have to do. And I can't do this, so I'm going to do X, Y, Z. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on here. You know, Just back up a little bit. Yeah. You know, Just try this and show me that you own that first. And let's go to B. And then let's go to C. And then let's go to D. Right. Mm-hmm. But they get so frustrated because they can't pass A, they just give up. Right. Yeah. So. And, and I think that's a lot of what – so if you don't have Prime, obviously Prime was designed, the program was designed for this. But if you didn't have Prime, we, we did this YouTube series, and this was kind of – the direction we are we are trying to go with it was okay. Which, by the way, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, I mean, there, we do a, a new video every single day. So this was a whole series that we did yeah. on this particular topic. But we went into things and details that you don't see uh, almost anywhere else. I mean, these are videos that we saw nobody was making. So it's a lot of the stuff we've learned with with Doctor Brink and things that are not like your typical, you know, sit back when you squat and. You know, do your box squats and that kind of stuff. It's it's not typical at all. No, and we wanted to give things, you know, <clears throat> practical things that you could take, you know. So you do your squat and you realize that the, the, here's an area that you don't have good mobility or you can't perform the squat without these things happening. So here are some simple movements that will address. And we just, we honed in on like three of the major areas, like we've been talking about the whole thoracic mobility, the ankle mobility, and the hip mobility. That's not to say other issues could, and you know, we have plenty more YouTube videos that we can do. But I thought, you know, we came together and said, hey, we talked about all the different clients that we trained over the years and the issues that they have. And like, what are the most common things that we have to fix and address? Let's pick a handful of movements that we give to these people so they can start to help this or get reconnected to these areas or disconnected. And so that's what the YouTube series was all about. So one thing you said, uh, uh, Dr. Brink, um, about five minutes ago was when someone is doing a squat and you were talking about when the wrist breaks or whatever to go down until that happens and then just become you know better connected to that. Yeah. What do you mean exactly by that? Like what let's say I'm getting into a, a position and I'm trying to become more connected within that position. What am I focusing on? What am I doing? Like how do you explain that? Well, I know for that person if it's a wrist issue, shoulder issue, elbow issue, they're not thinking about that anyways. They're just they're thinking about how low can I get into my squat. For me, I'm like, no, 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 I want every part of your squat to work for you at 100% through every range of motion that you're trying to achieve. So if I, if I know you can get down, then, hey, let's get you down into that position, but let's make sure everything is correct in that entire position. You know, let's make sure your head is retracted. You're not turtling through the neck. You know, let's make sure your shoulders are retracted. Let's make sure 
you've got good movement through your elbows, through your wrists. So you're not, you know, pinning your wrist, you know, underneath the bar, you know, or your, you know, your left side, you're, you know, rotating out a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So the slower you go, the harder it is. We don't like to go slow. So are you doing like a checklist? Like if I'm sitting at the bottom of a squat, I'm doing a checklist. This is what I do at least. Uh, I'm doing a checklist. I'm going like, okay, feet, you know, boom, like ankles, knees, hips, you know, usually back. At the, usually at the bottom of the squat, though, it's too late. Because if you already failed and you've already failed at the bottom, I'm going to work top down. So go so go down until you're yeah. okay. Yeah, so feel your body. You know, when you are squatting, where do you feel some asymmetries at? Can you see yourself in a video? Do you have someone that's watching you? Mm-hmm. Watch you from the front, watch you from the side, watch you from, you know, from the back. Where do they see that, you know, an elbow is tucking, you know, on the left side, the right side? Where do they see you rotating out? Where do you see your feet starting to rotate out a little bit more? Slow yourself down and start to work those movements and try and prevent that, that you know, abnormal mechanic and try and work on correcting that mechanic. Now, something that was uh, cool for me to kind of learn from you was the difference between range of motion and control. Yeah. Would you mind explaining that a little bit? I mean, we all have range of motion. You know, do you have control over that range of motion, though, is what I ask, you know, majority of all my clients. So, like, uh, I use the, the example – my fighters are, have great strength, but they don't have a lot of range of motion because their muscles are so tight, mm. you know, until they're warmed up and then they get into their certain positions, right? And then they're good in a butterfly or whatever, you know, position they put themselves into. My dancers on the other end, highly flexible, no strength, mm. right? So my dancers now, they have, you know, a lot of flexibility, but they don't have control over their end range of flexibility. So I have a kid right now, high level dancer, stretching his right leg over his head, left knee just buckles. Tore his patella tendon, fractured oh, wow. you know, the femur, and all he was doing was doing a natural little stretch. But it was like he was doing the splits with his right leg up above his head. You know, well, what happened? He lost control over that knee, and the knee just buckled. Well, how many thousands of times had he had done that in the past? You know, and now this one time, just boom, see you later. So now we're teaching him control. As we're teaching him control, he's struggling because he's still highly flexible, you know, as as his dancer. But he doesn't have control over those end wow. ranges of motion. Strength in it, right? So this yeah. reminds me of. Uh, I actually think we did a. We did. We did do a, a YouTube video on this. The ninety ninety. Uh, yeah. Like foot and heel lift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that particular video. I think it was like number six or whatever seven. Um, this was a trip. We had actually gone off to write some programming with uh, with Doctor Brink, and he put uh, me in a ninety ninety position. Now ninety ninety is when you're sitting on the floor. One leg is out in front of you, one leg is out behind you, and they're both bent at 90 degrees. So if it's Correct. if you can kind of imagine that. One's into external, one's into internal rotation. Yeah, so so uh, so one foot's behind me, one foot's yep. in front of me. And he told me to rotate my back leg so that my foot comes off the floor while keeping my knee in contact with the floor. And I was able to lift my foot off the floor maybe a half an inch or an inch, like barely hover, hover it. And I'm like struggling, like I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm squeezing and lifting and he's telling me, okay, lift it higher, lift it higher, lift it higher, drive your knee to the floor, lift it higher. And I just can't, like, that's it. I'm getting, you're getting an inch and you're not getting any more. There's nothing else. And, you know, he's, and then he asked me like, why can't you go up any higher? And I said, well, I don't, I don't, I don't have, range of motion. I said, I don't know. have that range of motion. And he goes, actually, you do have that range of motion. He says, go mm-hmm. get back in 90-90. So I get back into 90-90. He takes my foot and Bends he, like a two feet and he rotates, <laughs> internally rotates my hip so like my foot, I mean, I could have fucking smelled my own foot. It was like way up here and it was fucking weird. It was weird to see my leg up there because it looked like it was almost scary. Like, uh, am I, am I hurt? There was no pain. Did it you was rip it off. Yeah. There was no, it was very eerie to see that. 
But what he had proved to me was that I have that rota- that that range of motion. I just can't do it. I just don't have the control within it. So one of the things that Brink showed us was, you know, control. Try first work within the range of motion that you have. So I did. I would lift my foot up an inch off the floor, and I'd really just focus on trying to get it even higher and higher. And I couldn't, but just to try, right? That's part of connection, yeah. just yeah, to try. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Then the second thing I would do is I would use a pillow or something to lift my foot up just a little bit higher. So now I'm outside of the my control, right? Like I have the range of motion. I can sit with my foot there, but I can't lift it there myself. Now I'm in that position, and then what I do is I try to hold my foot there mm-hmm. while pulling the pillow out from underneath it. And the first few times I did it, like my foot would just drop every single time. But little by little, I was able to support my foot within that new, that new range. range of motion. So... How, is that then? I mean, that's a great technique. I guess you can apply it to pretty much anything, sure. right? Yeah. Yeah, anything. It's to get in a new range of motion, supported by someone or something like the wall or the floor or somebody holding your arm or leg out, and yep. then try to connect to it. So then, when they let go, you can do it on your own. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. okay. So I was, yeah. I, yeah. I've gained quite a bit of range of motion there. I couldn't barely even get my like Sal. I couldn't barely get my foot up there. I can actually get my foot a good solid, probably foot and a half, two feet off the ground. Now. It's weird. It's a, such yeah. a weird feeling. To feel your body become connected in a new way. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, it's the same muscle, same muscle, same movement. Everything's the same. You have connection. And that's the thing about muscles that pe- I think people need to realize that I didn't realize. I didn't well, realize this It's either. such a revolutionary concept. I think it's, I mean, it's it's been around. It's just like we're, we're, we're coming back to it because we're realizing like. We understand it better. Yeah, we understand it better and a better way to teach it. And also like. If you think of of sports injuries and just like different ranges of motion, like on that level, there there's techniques like this that it, you can actually prevent a lot of these injuries or like build strength in positions where you know you're not just in a fixed kind of squat position. Like you're you're expressing your 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 width of your feet a little bit further. Like there's just there's just more you can do to kind of pre. Uh, prevent and prep your body better to to handle like different forces and different ways of 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 adjusting and 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 operating and optimally. So well, and I, I think like Sal was just saying is, you know, he had great range of motion through his hip. He just didn't have the connectivity to his hip to be able to allow his foot to go into that range of motion because he's never trained there. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, you do jujitsu or you've done it in the past, right? It's all external. Yeah, your body was always into external rotation, so it never had to go into internal rotation. Mm-hmm. So you look at kids. Kids own, for the most part, all their range of motion. Yeah, they're out there playing They're on doing all gyms kinds of stuff all day long. Yeah, free right? form. So, yeah, yeah. So their yeah. hips are always moving into internal and external range of motion. So when they do sit in a squat position, it doesn't hurt them. Mm-hmm. I just read an article. I actually just posted it on our forum uh, this morning. On uh, I googled um, hunter gatherer. Yeah, Did yeah, you yeah. see it? I saw the bone. Yeah. So I, 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 there's two. Yeah, those two articles I posted. Yeah. So I, I looked up hunter gatherer feet. And then I hit uh, images because I wanted some ugly ass feet. Not, not, well, you know what's funny, dude? We have ugly feet. Yeah, we're just used to our ugly ass deformed feet, and so we think their feet are ugly. Uh, when in reality, when in reality, it's we, a trip. I don't even have to see. I've seen it before. They have their feet are all spread. Their toes are all spread apart. Their, their toes are spread. Their feet are muscular looking. You can tell that their feet are functional. Then when you look at a foot like ours, we have atrophied, weak. 
uh, deformed feet, mm-hmm. toes going off to the left and the right because of the shoes that we wear, like all this crazy stuff. All smashed together. So I looked it up, and uh, I'm looking at all these pictures because I was going to do a post. So I was going to take, I was going to rip one of these off the internet and do a post about it. And I saw this article where I guess there was a, a, a study with some anthropologists who went and studied some of these hunter-gatherer societies, and they were looking at their abilities to move, how they moved, and how much, how different it was from the way that we could move uh, as modern humans. And in this one particular tribe, the people uh, were tree climbers. So they could climb trees and they would get honey and fruit. And during the rainy season, this is kind of cool too, a little side fact. In the rainy season, this particular group of people got up to 80% of the calories from honey. So that's what they did during certain wow. seasons because it was plentiful. They'd go up there. It's a lot of bee stings. Uh, but they were showing, <laughs> they, but they climbed, these, they climbed these trees, which are... Uh, I don't, I don't know. They're not like palm trees, but they're kind of not huge, huge, uh, um, not a huge tree trunk, but where they can kind of reach around it. But they climb it like a chimp does, where it's almost like they're walking up the tree with their feet, with with their hands around the back of it, mm-hmm. and they were demonstrating a dorsiflexion. That is that flexion or extension? Am I going? That's flexion? extension. There. Sorry. Well, Dor- uh, uh, with the foot. That's dorsi. There yep. you go. Yep. So they were demonstrating uh, a flexion at the ankle. That was at a degree that would break most people's ankles. Well, think about that. Like if, you're, could, if you're climbing up a tree wow. and you need your foot here, my knee's going to be pretty close to the tree. Or that's what they were able to do. They were able to get their knees really close to the to the to the tree and, get their and have foot all nice and most of up their there. yeah wow. most of their foot was on the tree and they're that's just crazy. They're just bop, 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 climbing all the, way. the the yeah because you'd think it was just like their toes and. Uh, they're getting most of their foot on there. And well, so it's what, it's what yeah. a chimp looks like yeah. when they climb it. Right? And so what they did was is they examined their gastrox and their soleus, and they found that their fibers within their calves were much longer mm-hmm. than in the average person. And it wasn't because they were they had some genetic like advantage. It's because this is what they did. In fact, the well, young- I was just going to say, did you do you think they adapted that way? No, and, or no, you- because that's what this question that they asked, and they showed that because the younger generation within this tribe stopped climbing trees so much because I think they were starting to get some of these foods from other areas. Mm-hmm. And so the best climbers in the tribe were the old men because they were the they last generation yeah. to really climb that way. So kind of trip off so that what, kind of So shit. tell me what happened then. What happened to their, their, their gastroc and soleus? Did it, the fibers shorten or did they, did they, did they actually change? No, well, no. The reason why they had longer fibers was because they had been climbing trees since they were children. And their bodies had adapted to that. Had ad- learned how to do yeah. it. That's what I'm saying. So the other generate the other yeah, one- more normal. Okay, more like the average person. Although they all had great, I'm sure well, they all like, had great hey, feet. You talking about the feet? I mean, think of a sports car, right? The faster the car, is it the more narrow the tire or the thicker the tire? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Same thing. If we want to run faster, we want more surface area. It's like if you were to do a handstand on the ground, do you put your fingers <laughs> together? Or do you open up your hands? Yeah. Right. You know. So, but in society, we want these nice, narrow, slender feet. And we wonder why our feet suck. Well, also, <laughs> yeah. so here's an interesting one for me even is uh, I, I did yoga for a very short period of time. But one of the things that happened to me when doing yoga is because there was all these downward positions was that my wrist, my left one in particular, would hurt at the, at the top of the wrist where, where the back of my hand meets my, my, my arm. And I, it would hurt and I couldn't figure it out. And so I started using my fist and I grabbed something and I tried all these props. And then I noticed one day when I was in downward dog – that if I pulled my fingers up, like I was trying to get my fingers off the off the floor, or actually put my my, my wrist mm-hmm. into extension even more, the pain would go away. Like I activated mm. some of the muscles that were there, 
And then I started realizing, like, oh shit, I just gotta like don't relax in that position. Like, learn how to be active. Yeah. Well, so like the trip position. with the combat position where you have yeah. us pulling those toes up. Yeah, like, yeah. I wish I would have known that. That's like, video nine. Through, well, yeah. Like, I mean, as far as addressing things like that constant uh, pounding, you know, on the ground, like having like shin splints and having yeah. all these different things, I'm not connected to. It becomes a inflammatory almost. Sure. So yeah. what what is happening, Brink, on a like on a neurological level or like what, okay, so like that, you know what I put together. Same thing with my hips. So I've got like bursitis in my hips. And when I sit and drive in a car for like an hour or longer, it just, oh man, it feels like someone is taking a knife and just sticking it in the side of, and I have to get out and go move. Mm -hmm. But if I fucking do my due diligence and I actually do some of my movements before I sit in that car. Mm, you to prime it ahead of time? That, yeah. Exactly. So I'll, I'll, be, I'll be doing all this internal, external, uh, internal and external rotation of my hips and I'll take it to the both, it yeah. ends of extreme and just intensify it as hard as I can and then internally rotate and intensify as hard as I can. I do that four or five times, get in the car, fucking fine. Mm. What is happening? Well, then? remember, you're you're changing tissue tension. You're changing the loads, right? You just sat for an hour. Your hip didn't move. It sat on the gas pedal and the brake, yeah. gas pedal brake, right? So as your body sat there, I mean, you've started to create some tissue change. And so now, whether it's in a good position or bad position, your body's letting you know. Which you know, is probably is, in a bad because I'm sitting in a car. So that's not- Sure. A, that's I not mean, that's, that's everyone. I mean, my job is to tell all the desk jockeys, move. Yeah. Every 15, 20 minutes, get your butt get up, up and go and move. Do something. Yeah. You know, just I, whether it's for 10 seconds or 30 seconds, I don't care what it is. Just shake your body out. So yeah. then what am I doing then when I, if I actually take the time to prime my body like I do and then go on my, the car ride and it doesn't bother me? What, 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 am, I, what am I doing by doing You're that? You're just probably sending a better signal to your hip saying, hey, we're going to turn on. We're going to activate. We're, we're working. You know, working how we're supposed to versus okay. not doing anything. Thing, and it's just hanging out. Do you also, Adam, when you're in the car and you're sitting there, do you also try to activate the without moving your? Obviously, you're driving, so you can't like swing your leg out and stuff. But do you ever sit there and just try to activate the internal external rotators just to? Oh yeah, fire them while oh, you're driving. Yeah, yeah. And that makes a big difference. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I'm I'm doing before and after and during is like when I'm aware of it and I'm trying to stay on top of it, no problem. But well, if I just get in my car, is it your right hip or left hip? It's it's my right. Well, so so think yeah. about think about that. Right, we talk about the foot exercises, yeah. which you create a short foot, which creates connectivity to your hip. Yeah. Right. When you're doing any other movement that you choose. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you're sitting in a car and what's the movement that you're doing? Gas pedal. Gas pedal. But you're now working yeah. your foot. Yeah. So now you're creating a fascial line tension. Right mm -hmm. on an anterior fascial mm -hmm. line or a posterior fascial line that's now causing tension up in your hip that you're causing pressure in because you're sitting. And if you have a gangster lean or whatever as well, right now you're putting <laughs> totally. a little bit more tension yeah. into that hip. So why? Yeah, because your left hip is doing the same thing as your right one. It's just not doing gas. Yeah, shoots is going right? sideways. So now all of a sudden that right hip is taking. So it's the, the tension line that's happening. Yeah, so you're probably creating a lot more fascial tension right through there, which is sending all that signal to your hip. Which now that makes more sense. Why me doing the priming is really helping it. Yeah. Because now I'm you're unwinding yeah, that fascial right? tension. I'm waking it all up, stretching it out, and then yep. I'm going in there, and then I'm doing that, so it's not it's not put, causing that yep. tension. Yep. Ah, makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's interesting, right? Because I think we're it's coming together like butt cheeks. I know. Me, you know? <laughs> Sometimes they <laughs> come apart. <laughs> You've been healed! <laughs> I think uh, it's interesting because we're taking exercise and we're taking it back to what it really is, which is... Fundamental movement. It's, it's, it's movement, and it's movement. Like all movement, you practice it. Yep. And you get better at it. I think when we, and this is the, the of course, we're going to get a little esoteric here, but, you know, uh, the part of the problem with fitness and exercises is that it's so aesthetically driven that we forget that. 
all we think about is the what it makes me look like after. And muscles are there for a reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, exactly. It's yeah. not just there for not looks. Just looks dude. In fact, it's not even there for looks. It's, no. it's at all. Not it's, there at all. To, it's all in our head. It's there to do <laughs> something else. Yeah. But I and, guarantee those guys climbing the climbing the tree, look they good. weren't big muscle muscle bound dudes either. No. They were long, See, lean, you know. Yeah. They so. looked, have you ever looked at pictures? I could Google it right now. You ever see there's some old pictures of uh like uh, hunter-gatherers or aborigines or whatever, and these men are like in their 50s and 60s, yeah. they look like me. Yeah, yeah. They look like, and I lift weights all the time, and I'm like trying to be lean or whatever, and they fucking just yeah. sitting there, and I know they've never even seen a weight in their entire life. Right. I mean, it's I, pretty amazing stuff. I told a buddy of mine, Ricky, you know, the other day, because he was asking about, you know, same sort of stuff, and I said, I want you to go out and just play in a jungle gym for 55 minutes. And I'm like, I bet you're cooked in 10. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, but I can do a wad. I'm like, I know you can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, but you can't do anything that's truly functional. Uh-huh. I was like, I think fitness has. Oh, wow. What has, a smack in the face has, for the CrossFitter has, who's been fucking has, kicking ass at his wads, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's specialized. But, but what's, what's awesome yeah. is he's taken that to the next level, and he is now definitely working on all of his mobility, functionality stuff, and he's now trying to work out and do that, which is amazing to see, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and just sort of watch that transformation. But it's like you look at us as a fitness-driven society, like Sal was saying, is we are so aesthetically driven. What does aesthetics give you if you still suck at movement? Well, if you're still in pain, I don't care what you look like. You still have back pain. You still have a neck issue. You have a bad shoulder. You still didn't do what you're supposed well, to be doing. Well, I'll be the first one to admit that. I mean, I said I've been saying that on this show for fucking two years plus now. Is that when I was in the best aesthetic shape of my life, I was probably some of the furthest away from being in the best physical actual shape. Uh, or functional shape of my life because I was so aesthetically driven that I neglected all this stuff. It didn't matter to me. You didn't how pay my, attention to any of it. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention to it. I was I was too busy weighing and measuring and counting calories and making sure I'm burning X amount and building X amount that I wasn't paying attention to how well I was performing anything. And then and now you look at my physique now. My physique now compared to what it looked then to the average eye who's looking at it would think, oh my God, the other guy looks so much better, but I'm way better shape as far as functional, it, no pain, I'll tell you moving what, better. I'll tell you what, training with just aesthetics in mind creates a disconnect between the mind and the body. And we, we, we forget that there is a very strong connection between the mind and the body. In fact, it's all one and the same. And if you don't believe me, the number one place where you have serotonin receptors is in your brain, and the second place is in your gut. Yeah. Your gut has a tremendous amount. Yeah. This is the way you feel shit in your gut. By the way, there's another place you have a lots of these other types of uh, neuronal receptors. Heart? Your heart. Yeah. This is why you feel shit in your heart. It's crazy. You actually think in your body, not just in your brain. And we, we, we sever the two, and we think that they're different. And when we just focus on aesthetics, where we just train the body to look a particular way, we're actually creating problems with everything else, not just the way we move, but even the way we think. I talked about this with the guys yesterday off air that I just learned this the other day. This is fucking fascinating. Did you know that when they give people Botox treatments on their frown lines, that their rates of depression uh, go down because they can't frown as much? But there's, also, but there's also the side effect of... They also lose their ability to empathize. Yeah. They so can't smile either. This is, this, is, this is actually this is a real thing. They're actually studying this, that when people will get like plastic surgery and stuff like that, what's the effect on the psyche independent of the fact that you, that you look different? And they're finding, in fact, that by making faces or not making faces or altering the way we look and the way we move, it affects the way we fucking think. It's this, it's this, uh, this whole feedback loop. Everything's connected. It's all connected. And so when we view exercise just for aesthetics, what you're doing, and I know this because I was this way as well, 
you are training, you're actually strengthening a disconnect between the two because what you're doing with your Ooh, body. God, think about that, right? You are you are creating a, a very, very strong disconnect to the point where and it might it might even rival the disconnect of the couch potato because the couch potato's disconnected because they just don't do shit with it. They're just completely unaware. The guy who lifts the guy and girl who just thinks he's aware. Yeah, they, they're just working out to look a particular way. And that may involve you know, using, you know, anabolic hormones or, or supplements. It may involve, you know, for the woman implants and other kinds of things. You are creating this separate entity of this body that just looks uh, a particular way. Well, don't and they have that, that Netflix, the physique or something like that, oh, that, that show on that, which yeah. is that realm, you know, yeah. of things. And you're, well, this and is you're what, disconnecting this is what, from it. This is what I got. So the other day I went on a rant because somebody asked a question about um, competing and, oh, what do you do during contest prep? when you fall off the wagon and you binge or what do I thought. And, you know, I, I, I was talking about that you have, we have no business competing at an elite level or doing a sport. If you haven't like done the fundamentals first, like otherwise, and I love, I think that's why I brought this up because what Sal's saying, this is where it's so true. You're actually creating more dysfunction, a bigger issue, more problems because you think you're aware or you think you're doing the things that are right, but you're really not. You're getting further away from the truth on how the body should move and what you should be doing. And it's like, you first should learn that. You need to understand and, and understand your body and what you're not doing, the functional things that you're not, like if you can't sit down in a squat, like that right there should be like, let's figure that out. Let's- and, I, and I post that you know on the forum quite often. Right. A lot of the same stuff. I have my movement pre- prerequisites that I throw up there. Someone asked me something, it's like, uh, something's wrong here. Check A, B, and C first. Right. You know, does that make sense? You want to sit there and load your body with all this crazy weight, but yet you can't even squat with no weight. Now, the irony of all this is for the vast majority, and I'm telling you this with all the experience I have as a personal trainer, and I guarantee you these guys will back me up. For the vast majority of people listening right now, if you viewed (laughs) movement and exercise uh, in the ways that they should be viewed, in which you're trying to get your body to move optimally in these fundamental ways and patterns and different planes of motion, the awesome side effect of that is you're going to look incredible. That's you, you. It's hard to find someone that can move in, in, in all these amazing ways with good connectivity in all these different ranges of motion who doesn't look like they really work out. So that's one of the side effects of it. Yep. Now, on the flip side, if I train just for aesthetics, I can get an aesthetic physique. But the side effect of that is disconnection to my body. It's it's severing the mind to body link. It's actually cr- putting a wedge between the two and causing lots and lots of problems. Not just physical problems, but like I said, they're now showing that there's mental issues that can that can arise from not being able to move a particular way. I see these bodybuilders in the gym who move like they're like they're full of cement because they're so stiff and their shoulders are rounded <laughs> forward. I'm, I'm, I, hey, Yo, man. I can't yeah. wipe my ass uh, yeah. movement. I'm yeah. telling you that will have an effect on their mood, on their personality, and the way they think. And science has confirmed this. Power postures. Look up the science for power postures. Yeah. When they put people in particular positions, they can measure in real time like – Certain hormones are going down, other ones are going up, and we've got these feel-good chemicals coming out. And to the point now where you got Fortune 500 companies that are investing money in some of these positions so that they can get their employees to perform better. Well, so here's the deal. This is why we did this. So here's your your takeaways. Here's what you do right now. Right now, you go over to YouTube, 
You subscribe to the Mind Pump TV. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, something's wrong with you. Seriously. Well. A new video every day, and, and they're awesome. But this is what we're trying what to- What the hell, man? I mean, something we've always promised when we when we created this business is it'll always be evolving, always be changing, and we're always trying to get better. We're always trying to provide more for you guys. And yeah. so we started to put together a series that kind of coincide with some of the podcasts that we talk about. So- you know, we wanted to address the squat. We wanted to also give people things that they can actually take and go apply to help improve that. So if you are not able to sit down in a squat all the way down like a baby, go on there, follow this series. Please comment. Yeah. Tell us things that helped tell out. Tell us what you, you like or, yeah, or what we could improve on for sure. Like, we'll we'll respond to that. That's right. So that's what we're trying to do with it. If it, if it, if it helped, if it's something that helped you, Share it. Yeah, let share us know it, about it. Share it with somebody. Share it with somebody else. Keep it going. This is something that uh, will continue to evolve, and we'll continue to be doing more podcast episodes where we can give and help you guys out. It's totally free. Go to the Mind Pump TV YouTube and subscribe. That's it. Also, uh, if you want to ask us questions that we can answer in our quad episodes, the place to do it is on our Instagram page. You can find us at Mind Pump Media. Now we all also have personal pages where we provide information and sometimes we offer some pretty cool uh, coupon codes and stuff like that. My personal page is at Mind Pump Sal. Adam is at Mind Pump Adam. And Justin is at Mind Pump Justin. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now, plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>